This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Now you're talking my language. You can hear The Drive weekday afternoons, 3 till 6 on WSJS. You are on a Tuesday drive. It is WSJS, News Talk Sports for the Triad, where just like last year, Ben Johnson has pulled his name from consideration for head coaching jobs and will be returning to the Detroit Lions as their offensive coordinator for a third season. That should make Panthers fans feel pretty good today. Feel pretty good about their coach. They got in Dave Canales, and we have an update on him that we'll get to in a little bit. Washington Commanders fans know there are many of them in the state of North Carolina probably are not feeling great today. But before we get into all that, college hoops and the Tar Heels. Tonight at Georgia Tech is a sneaky, scary game for North Carolina because if you've been following this team closely, like we have, Every second of every game, breaking it all down. Carolina hasn't been dominating teams lately like they did earlier in the month. They went a month without trailing at halftime until Monday night against Wake Forest, where at home they were trailing at the break. And if you thought that was an aberration, they were trailing by five and should have been trailing by a lot more at the half at Florida State. That was something, again, that we had not seen from the Tar Heels in a month. They went down to the wire at Boston College. Boston College? They let Louisville get within five in the second half. They were shooting something close to 90% before North Carolina started playing D. That's a lot different than the way that they opened 2024, smacking teams like Syracuse and NC State on the road. It's been a little bit of a decline, not terribly noticeable. They're still winning the games and in some cases still winning them by double digits, but it's not quite the same level of dominance we saw even two, three weeks ago. The Yellow Jackets on the other side, they play up to top teams. They beat Duke in December. And if you thought that was a fluke, Just a couple of weeks ago, they went into Cameron and nearly beat them again. Duke had to win a tight game. They, Duke survived, but Georgia Tech gave them everything they could handle. They also beat Clemson at Little John Coliseum. Yeah, yeah. They have a couple more non-conference power wins, including against a decent Mississippi State team. I believe they beat Penn State. Damon Stoudemire is the coach of Georgia Tech, and he seems like a good one. And I really appreciated his level of candor in talking about his team ahead of the North Carolina game. You know, the crazy thing about it is I have a weird team. I love my team, but I have a weird team. Because if you actually look at all the teams in the conference, we probably have some of the best victories of any other team. I mean, he's like the parent of a goth kid in the mid 2000s. I mean, my kid's smart and does well on the test, but I got a weird kid. My kid's weird. Don't know what to tell you. Some games we play poorly and get blown out by Virginia Tech. Other games we're beating Duke. Got a weird team, Damon Stoudemire says. And let's just factor human nature into this. This is a classic look-ahead spot. Carolina, 9-0 in the ACC for the first time in 23 years. They're number three in the country. 
You're doing interviews on Scott Van Pelt Sports Center, RJ Davis. Georgia Tech is coming off a blowout loss. You got this. Here are all the stats. Here are all the graphics about Duke of Carolina coming up this weekend. The Blue Devils last night on Big Monday, they're winning at Virginia Tech. They're seventh. Who's going to win this head-to-head? And you can easily see yourself looking ahead and looking past Georgia Tech. And on the road, Georgia Tech, you know they've had this game circled. Just like they had Duke circled, and we saw what happened. Watch out for Bay Nadongo from Georgia Tech. When you talk about the ACC Rookie of the Year race, there are only five guys in this conversation. Bay Nadongo, Georgia Tech. Jared McCain, Duke. Elliot Cadeau, especially after the way he's played the last two weeks for Carolina. And then both Carrington and Lowe at Pittsburgh. Those are the five premier freshmen in the ACC this year. Those are the guys that are going to be up for that award when the time comes. Just a name to consider, Bay Indongo. Sneaky, scary spot for the Tar Heels tonight. On X at WSJS Radio, if you want in, that's where we're streaming video in addition to YouTube and Twitch. Will Dalton, the executive producer of this show. WD, what has a better ring to it? Now that Ben Johnson is not going to be going to our nation's capital. Washington coach Dan Quinn, Washington coach Mike McDonald, or Washington coach Bobby Slowick? I mean, I think even better than all those, there's Washington coach Bill Belichick, but I'll give you Bobby Slowick. Whoa. Just saying. Apparently, according to Adam Schefter, they learned about this news on their way to Detroit. They were getting on the plane. And they're still going to Detroit to interview their defensive coordinator. Aaron Glenn, still. We'll get to the Washington search now that Ben Johnson's not a part of that later this hour. We finally have a date for the Panthers' official introduction of Dan Morgan as their general manager and Dave Canales as their head coach. It's Thursday morning at 10 a.m. And here are three things that you should be looking for in that press conference. Three things to be keeping a close eye on. Number one, clarity of organizational power dynamics. In the release, the only thing that was ominous about last week, the only thing, no issue with the promotion of Dan Morgan and Dan Morgan hiring his guy who didn't get any other interviews at other places, making it seem like Dan Morgan is the boss over Dave Canales, Dave Canales working for Dan Morgan, who then works for ownership. In the press release, it's just nestled in there, second to last paragraph, Dave Canales and Dan Morgan will answer directly to owner David Tepper. You know, with concerts. That is the one concerning piece. It's the only thing that gives me pause. I'd like to know if Dan Morgan or... Dave Canales can provide some clarity on that. Likely, David Tepper is a better person to ask. Last year, he did not speak or answer questions at the podium upon introducing Frank Reich, but did stand by the side of the stage and answer a few questions. If Tepper does that again, that should be the number one question that's asked. What exactly does the organizational power structure look like the dynamics of that how are they different considering how the last five years have not worked number two 
Is Ajiro Evero staying? Is he going to be the defensive coordinator? Perhaps that's a question that will be answered organically between now and Thursday morning at 10 o'clock. The Seattle job, it seems like it's probably down to Mike McDonald of the Ravens and Dan Quinn, who used to be their defensive coordinator before becoming Atlanta's coach. He's in that Seattle hunt. I'm more concerned about other teams trying to poach him, even though Carolina has turned down requests to interview him for D.C. jobs from the Jaguars, the Giants, the Miami Dolphins. So what do the Rams do with their D.C. job? Apparently there was a report today that Ron Rivera has interviewed for the defensive coordinator job under Sean McVeigh. Ajiro Evero already worked there, though, so I would be a little bit concerned about that. But if we don't have clarity by Thursday, is it Dave Canales' intent to keep Ajiro Evero? It's worth asking. That's an important piece to have figured out. And the third thing I want to see, I would love to hear Dave Canales speak to his commitment level to Bryce Young. We know Dan Morgan's commitment level. He was part of the brain trust that drafted Bryce. We can assume a big part of the reason Carolina wanted Canales is not just that he can elevate quarterbacks, it's that he specifically wants to elevate Bryce Young. But I want to hear that from him. I want, I want to hear all this talk about juice and energy and communication skills. I, I want to see that personality on display and specifically talking about Bryce Young. I, I want to see that on display. It's hard to lose a press conference. You hear people say, you got to win the press conference. It's hard to lose it. Over the years, I can only think on one hand, coaches that potentially, air quote, lost the press conference. The worst example was that weird Adam Gase Jets press conference where it looked like he was on, like, hallucinogens, looking all over the place, up and down, right? Dan Campbell, I think, lost the press conference because everybody mocked him. It ages well now that the Lions are winning. The Nick Sirianni opening press conference was very weird. What is, how is Dave Canales going to come off and his commitment level to Bryce? Another thing that you should be keeping an eye on now that we know when the presser is going to be Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Let's get the show going. It's The Drive with Josh Graham. WD, what's the theme for Skips or Plays with Hayes? Hayes Permar joining us at 535. It's got to be a Carolina Duke theme, Skips or Plays. Carolina Duke themed Skips or Plays with Hayes. Okay, you could take that in a lot of different directions. We'll see what you do with that soon. Let me use that as a transition to UNC basketball. Ever since the Tar Heels win at Florida State over the weekend, where Harrison Ingram had another one of his do-everything games, I've been thinking nonstop, who's this guy like? What does he remind you of? And I wasn't really coming up with anything. But after a few days of ruminating on it, with the help of Joel Berry, who joined us yesterday, it dawned on me. And you're either going to love this comparison or hate it. Harrison Ingram is 2024 Draymond Green, minus all the antics. Let's say 
Harrison Ingram is a lot like Draymond Green when he was taking Michigan State to the Final Four before losing to Tyler Hansborough and company in Detroit in 2009. We knew Draymond Green as a great college basketball player and a guy who was going to make it in the league. We weren't really familiar with the personality yet and the flailing of his foot, the controversial comments. That's not what I'm talking about. As a basketball player, Harrison Ingram, 2024's Draymond Green. Not personality-wise. Back at Michigan State, Draymond was measured at six foot seven and weighed 230 pounds. Harrison Ingram, right now, listed at six foot seven, 235 pounds. Draymond Green in his career at Michigan State averaged 10.5 points, 7.5 rebounds, three assists, shot 36% from three. Harrison Ingram, career scoring average 10.9 points, seven rebounds, three assists, and he's 41% from three. But to be fair to Draymond, the three ball has become a lot more important now and a lot more of everybody's games, forwards including, included, than it was when Draymond was in school. They're almost identical types of players. Like Draymond in Golden State, Harrison Ingram is the heart of this Carolina team. He's not the best player. R.J. Davis is in the National Player of the Year race. But he is the most important player. And that's a lot like Draymond Green, isn't it? You've heard people say that all throughout the Warriors' run. Draymond's not the best player. Steph Curry, he's Mr. Warrior. He's the league MVP. He's the guy who's breaking all the records, and he's on the cover of magazines. But if you ask guys on that team, they'll tell you none of this is possible without Draymond. He's the heart and soul of the team. And I think that's true of Harrison Ingram. Here's how I know that. When you go through the best players on this Tar Heel basketball team, You'll say R.J. Davis because he's in the National Player of the Year conversation. You'll even say Armando Baycott because of the name recognition and him being in the post. Those two guys were on the team last year, too. And what happens? They didn't make the tournament. Harrison Ingram has been the most important add to this team, bringing so much, a jack-of-all-trades. You need him to score, he'll score. If you need him to rebound, he'll have more rebounds than any Tar Heels ever had in a game against NC State, 19 in Raleigh earlier this month. You need him to play defense, he'll block the most important shot of Florida State in the final minute of the game. Damon Stoudemire's been around the block, both in the NBA and in college, and he sung Harrison Ingram's praises ahead of the Yellow Jackets game with the Tar Heels in Atlanta tonight. What I say, he gets lost in a lot of little things that, that you know, teams need, and that's, you know, winning 50-50 balls. That's making an open shot when needed. That's, you know, guarding. Um, that's just knowing where to be on the floor. He has a great feel and an IQ for the game. And for me, that's what I see. He, allow, he, allows, he allows the people that need to be great on that team to be great. And you don't have a lot of, you don't have a lot of people that are willing to do that today. So minus all the antics off the floor and oftentimes on it, Harrison Ingram is the ACC and North Carolina's Draymond Green. He's the Draymond Green in 2024 college basketball, and he looks like a first-round draft pick. If you had to guess right now 
who on this team is going to be selected highest in this year's draft? Really, it's only a conversation between three players. With respect to Armando Bacot, I don't Armando. even know if he gets drafted because centers are devalued. Oscar Shibway didn't get drafted last year. One of the key bigs on UConn in the national championship, he didn't get drafted either. Zach Eady came back because people thought he wasn't going to get drafted. It's less an indictment on Baycott and more about what the NBA values nowadays. It's Harrison Ingram, it's R.J. Davis, or it's Elliot Cadell. Elliot Cadell on sheer upside. He should be in high school right now. Teams want to get in as early as they can on him. So I think he might have lottery pick potential. Ingram, this is his third year in school, I believe, around that. So he's a little bit older. I think he's 21 years old. Maybe end of the lottery, close to a top 20 pick. RJ reminds me a lot of the Kansas guard a couple of years ago. Ochai Obaji, who was older, played four years, got drafted right outside the lottery, 15th, 16th, around that range. He was drafted. That sounds like the right spot RJ could go as a top 20 pick. But being a little bit undersized, that might hurt him. I, I think Ingram, if you were to assume that Cadeau comes back for a second year, I think Ingram is probably going to end up being the highest Tar Heel draft pick. He is the guy that I look at as the most important player on this team, the heart of this team. He is a rare talent, but I wouldn't say unique. I knew he reminded me of something. It was hard to put my finger on it, but I finally have Draymond Green in college basketball. That's what Harrison Ingram is. Getting to last night's Duke win at Virginia Tech. Duke, they took giant steps in the last three days. Giant steps in a short period of time. Massive growth in a short period. Against Clemson on Saturday, Duke won a tight basketball game. That might not sound like a big deal to you. But prior to that game at Cameron, Duke was just 1-4 in in games decided by two possessions or fewer this year. One win, four losses, six points or less. When the money's on the table, Duke didn't grab the money. It's a sign of growth that they're able to win a close game in a way that they didn't against Arizona at home and didn't against Pittsburgh last week and didn't on the road a couple of times as well. All of Duke's four losses this year were in those tight game situations, and they only had one win until hitting free throws down the stretch. You might say that the officials gifted them that. I would disagree there. They hit their free throws. In the final five minutes, Duke was 9 of 11 from the foul line. Last night, Duke won on a two-day prep. Another thing that might not sound like a huge deal to you, but... Considering Duke last year had four situations where they had the quick two-day turnaround and was 0-4 in those situations, winning that game in that spot, on the road particularly, a big deal for this basketball team. First time that they faced that type of challenge this year, and they thrived in it. They won the game by double digits against a good Virginia Deck team that really needed to win a basketball game like that. And Duke controlled the game from Jump Street. That's why John Shire, he was elated after the game. He was ecstatic about the level of focus his group showed after winning against Clemson on Saturday. Look, I think this, this, uh, 
no matter what, even though you have a core group returning from last year, the season is still an evolution. You know, like it's still a process of figuring out how this team needs to be successful. And um, they always respond. Like this team, they always respond uh, in game, but also uh, after, you know, the Clemson game, you have to, it's a great win and exciting, but you have to move on very quickly. And Duke did that. And Caleb Foster, in spurts, he just looks like a dude but he hasn't been able to do that consistently. Jared McCain has been that consistently um, for Duke as a freshman. They're healthy now. At full strength, Duke can beat anyone. And I mean anyone. The Blue Devils, let's not forget, we looked at their roster, and you always assume good health at the start of the year. And the AP poll had them preseason number two. And this season, win healthy, 15-2. and 15-2, and two, win healthy. The two losses at home the first week of the year against Arizona by five, and then at Arkansas by five. They broke a record in attendance. Both of those losses were in the first month of the season. 15-2, and two, win they're healthy. And they have all that upside and all that young talent. And we saw many of these guys down the stretch last year be a team that nobody wanted to face as they now go into Chapel Hill on Saturday. Duke lost its first two road games of the year. They've now won four in a row. That's a sign of growth, again, in a short period of time. Winning a tight game, winning on a two-day prep, taking care of business, and doing so on the road. It's weird to say because it's Duke, but Duke, they're flying under the radar as the number seven team in the country. Nobody seems to be talking about them the way that Carolina is being talked about or Purdue or Houston or some of these other teams at the top. And Duke isn't that far down the line. Again, 15-2 and two win healthy. A very impressive win for them last night in Blacksburg. At the castle, as they call it. It's Duke Carolina week with the first meeting of the year being this Saturday in Chapel Hill. WD has a rivalry theme, skips or plays with Hayes cooked up for our next guest. You guessed it. Hayes Permar of Sports Channel 8 joining us now. Hayes, ballpark it for me. How many Duke Carolina games have you been to? It's a good question. I believe the first one I ever went to was maybe 1989. Um... Wait, were you at the game where... Things got testy in Atlanta? No, this was in the Dean Dome. My sister was a student there. My grandfather was in town. For some reason, I got to go. Like, I didn't I didn't even quite get the magnitude of it being Duke, Carolina. When right? people talk about Duke and Carolina teams hating each other, 89 was probably the peak of that. I've talked to right. Jeff Lebo about it, and he's pretty much said, oh, yeah. Like, right there at the end with Danny Ferry – the oh, was of, that was was that the one where now you look back on it and like Dean got a little out of pocket uh, yeah. calling out some stuff yeah um, and you know he didn't didn't outright say what one guy's SAT score but was but kind of indirectly uh, revealed some private information that you're not supposed to do starting talking to players like Coach K's players on the court and K had problems and things got 
testy at that. I would ask what your the most memorable Duke Carolina game you went to was, but it seems like that question's now killed because if you were at the one in New Orleans, as we both were, you can't top that, right? Um, no, it was an incredible experience. And like, you know, flying down there on a plane with my brother-in-law and BDOT, like so, sometimes it's, it's, it's a combination of the game and the experience, right? And so that's why I would say the only other one to me that's more memorable, and, uh, and I might even get choked up here, is a good family friend of mine who just passed away recently. And randomly, he was one of those where, you know, as you're becoming an adult, when, you know, I still think of myself as like a kid, right? I'm in my young 20s, but I'm like, you know, people who are in their 50s and 60s, those are adults and I'm a child, right? Well, as I develop a relationship with this person, you know, he starts telling me about how he went to Hampton City back in the day. And since they didn't have big time sports, they would like drive many hours and like spend the night at a frat house to go watch a UNC basketball game or an NC State basketball game or go to Virginia for a football game or whatever it is and how much you know respect he had for UNC basketball. And randomly that year, he, he lived in Atlanta and he was an older guy at this point. He was like maybe 70. And he said, Hayes, if you ever get a Duke UNC ticket that, that you can offer me, he's like, you tell me and I'll be there same day. Well, I came across some and it was maybe the day before and I thought, he won't take me up on it. He, he lives in Atlanta. He's not going to just jump or making George. He's not just going to jump in his car and drive, whatever. Darn it if he didn't do it. And we went to the rat. We went to Carolina brewery. Um, he was an old Navy guy and he happened to have a, a Naval friend that like lived across the street from me. So he had a place to stay. I'll never forget him. Give me a hard time for making him walk all the way across UNC's campus. Cause I'm like young. I'm like, it's not that far. Like it's a beautiful walk. You want to see the campus. Right. By the time we're getting the D dome, he's like, Hey, you better call me a cab. Like, you know, and I'm like, it's right there, you know? And then, so it was memorable because of the company, the situation, how special it was for him to be. What, game? UNC. what, what game was and it? And then it was a pretty good game. So uh, his name is Duhan. Duhan oh, the 2004 Re Duhan game. Reverse. Um, and so even though I probably would have been pulling for, I was pulling for Carolina, um, and it would have been cool to see, you know, UNC win at home, and he would have gotten to see the whole celebration and Franklin Street and all that. Um, you know, you got to see a memorable moment. And, uh, and he always had a thing about how bad Roy was in late-game situations. So it allowed him to be like, I told you so. I told you so. It's so. hard. It's hard to explain it to people who are outside the state, but you can love this rivalry and this rivalry be something nostalgic and personal to you, even if you don't have a pulling interest in it. For me, I my brother went to Carolina. My dad was a Duke police officer. I was never really a fan for either team, but I remember I never, from the moment that I had sports consciousness, I never missed this game, and I have that, almanac that just goes back in time remembering every single one of these Duke Carolina games and then I moved to Colorado and I thought man I'm gonna have to go to one of the two bars in this town of 2400 and ask for them to turn the game on because no one's gonna care and I get there and the entire entire bars packed out with Duke fans who are wanting to watch this game because regardless of where you go it's a big deal I watched it in LA one time with my brother who is again a Carolina guy and I remember when it was tied at the under four timeout of the final four matchup. Uh, I remember I was like welling up. Like I was, I, I, I was borderline in tears just at how crazy this was. And it was hard to process. And then some jackasses behind me spilled a beer on me like a second later. 
who were like 21-year-old kids who flew in from Denver who couldn't care less about the game. They're like, Final Four, let's bet on every possession. We love Barstool, Th- those types of guys. But the, the, the rivalry just has that type of significance, even if you don't have a rooting interest. Why is Barstool going to catch Trace here? Um, the randomly one that sticks out in my head, and I won't get the years right, but like, you know, you see the Jeff Cable shot, you see the Austin Rivers shot, things that like, you know, always make the montage. But like the year that UNC was terrible, but then they still played Duke. And then it comes down to missed free throw into like buzzer beaters. Like you, you, you're always like, there, there can't be so many buzzer beaters. And like, we come on, we talk it up too much, but like it, it doesn't get that crazy, right? It's usually just a good competitive game. And then you're like, how does that happen? I, and that was just one of those cool like reminders of like, man, it is ne- never rule out the, the possibility in this game of what could happen. Oh, you mean throw out the record books? That's what Not you mean? throw out the record books, but even get the ridiculous. I do have beef. Did you watch Duke Virginia Tech last night? I did. I need an ESPN graphic person fired. I've been meaning to talk to uh, a way to worthy uh, about this because somebody flashed up there that in the past 100 games, I think that was the marker they used. Duke was plus 45 in points. Don't you know how we're supposed to do this? You specifically go back to a point in time where they were within like one game or one point of each other. So you have to pick a random, like in the last 37 games or the last 117, you have to make it so that Duke has 1,332 points and UNC has 1,331. They didn't even pay a 45 thing was like, no, that's not how we do it. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't even pay attention to their own guy, a way to worthy Brian Ives who works for ESPN stats and info. Cause yesterday he put up 48 meetings, 24 apiece, and within like a short amount of points. So they, it was right there. Whoever the graphic guy was on that UNC Virginia, I mean, Duke Virginia Tech game, he's fired. He's fired. You do not flash up the like, there's a 45 point difference between them. Uh, My buddy Swain had a good point. He was like, that basically guarantees UNC will win by 45. Like, if the the refs know about this, UNC's winning by 45 to tie that thing back up. Uh, Guarantee tonight they get back at it. UNC Georgia Tech in about an hour and a half. You watch halftime. They're going to have that graphic and they're going to get it right. No, well, somebody better get it right. They, They need to go back to like the 113 game or whatever it is where they're with you know one one team's one one more than the other and one team has one more point than the other that's how we do this that's how it is with Hayes. or or you need to make the schools one mile closer ah you need to you need to be like they're they're two miles apart this the neighboring schools the campuses overlap even sometimes the students walk by each other that's they used to be like 21 miles apart then they're 15 8 i don't know there's like they're 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 two miles apart with Hayes Permar here, we do a Duke Carolina rivalry theme. Skips or plays with Hayes. Hayes Permar is somewhat of a renaissance man, an expert in the finer things, but he hangs his hat on music. Loves this God, and he's no friend of Satan. He was like, oh, six, getting busy with the sticks, been watching Big Mike and little Trick. Mike and trip. I just need a Zion and someone he can dunk on. Today, Hayes will decide if this music is smash or trash, glows or blows. It's time for skips or plays with Hayes. Can't wait for the Taylor Swift Usher themed Super Bowl edition of oh. this a week from now. Wait, why is still... Taylor Swift? What? She's not performing. No, she she's not. not be. That'll yeah. be just Usher. Okay, Usher. maybe just Usher theme. Now let's uh, do a Duke Carolina theme. How are you doing this, WD? You do songs that have the theme of blue. Uh, That's what we do here. We get creative with it. So we're going to start out with Bad Fingers, Baby Blue. Didn't know you'd be 
Last scene of Breaking Bad. about this song en- enough but it is a good song it's a definite play it rocks it's in a scorsese movie is it goodfellas or is it Not departed goodfellas. departed He's, yes, it's in the departed be, yes yep there you go hey most people i think think of it as the last song that plays in breaking bad breaking bad at the end Okay, next song. Next on the list is a Blues Brothers song with Aretha Franklin, Think. We can all see them in the diner, the dance moves. Um, I have a couple things on this one. First, it's a play. We can get that out of the way. Uh, I read somewhere that, like, they bring Aretha in. I don't know how they, like, you know, got her to do this. It's like kind of a silly, like Saturday Night Live movie or whatever. But they they kept having trouble because, you know, they they get you to sing it, but then they want to edit in different things. Like, oh, maybe you did this dance move during this version of it, but this time you sang it this way. But she kept singing it differently every time because she just, you know, she's all you know, freelancing. So that made it hard for them to match up her lips and the words with like one version of the song because she kept singing it differently every time. So I, I heard that was a thing. And then secondly, Aretha Franklin has got to be now famous for the one person who could throw shade at Taylor Swift and not get canceled for it. Nice dresses. Because she, uh, the, the, oh, beautiful gowns, <laughs> wonderful gowns. Do you, do you know this, uh, Will Dalton? I don't know this. So do go watch it after this. Aretha Franklin. All right. Uh, no, 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 no. Don't spoil it. We'll we'll get to this. All right. As we take it to the house, I want to expose WD to this. Hey, so, um, a beautiful gown. Beautiful gowns. Wonderful gowns. We'll, we'll definitely. That's a perfect setup. We'll get to that before we take it to the house. One more song for Hayes Permar. Duke Carolina themed skips her plays. A song by Blue Cantrell. Oh. Hit 'em up style. Hey, <laughs> wild, just go back and 2004 what's up 2004 I think so let me double check maybe it's yeah, earlier probably right it just feels like it, it, it feels like it was influenced by the 90s girl groups like in vogue and whatever it feels like it could have been a 90s song TLC it's got, that, it's got a 90s bop to it but uh, that's a play it's a great song it's a banger yeah you're right Hey, 2001. 2001. It felt like it was a little more echoes of, of uh, the 90s than, than 2004. So, uh, My favorite, actually, there's, I don't know. I don't want to go on the record. Oh, Rhapsody in Blue is one of my all-time favorite songs. And uh, my man Bella Fleck just uh, released a version of that. Sneaky good song. The Jayhawks have a song just called Blue. And I think both of you guys would enjoy it. Go listen to the Jayhawks Blue. Ace Permar. We'll talk to you next week on Super Bowl week. Beautiful gowns. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful gowns. What do we got? Take it to the house. A sign that poses the question, what the heck is going on in this pizza shop? That and beautiful gowns. Next. Before we take it to the house, WD needs to be exposed to the iconic Aretha Franklin, Taylor Swift clip. 
take it to the house, which we'll do in a bit. Brought to you by Tar Heel Basement Systems. Have you been ignoring that interior crack in your wall or above the door or window? What about the leaks in your basement walls or the water and mold in your crawl space? You've been putting it off and telling yourself it can wait, right? Nope, not at all. It's important that you find the cause to the problem. Fix it now to keep your family safe. Tar Heel Basement Systems understands the complexity of basements, foundations, crawl space problems. They know the importance of protecting your home from the ground up. Reach out to the experts at Tar Heel Basement Systems today and they'll schedule your experts to come out. They will help you understand the problem and identify the solution. Don't wait for a small problem to turn into a big, big expense. Go to TarHeelBasementSystems.com now. The sooner you find the problem, the sooner that Tar Heel Basement Systems can fix it. Okay, this is from about a decade ago. And Aretha Franklin is being interviewed talking about some of the up-and-coming young divas in the music industry that may or may not remind Aretha Franklin of herself. And here's how it went. The new album is about divas. I want to just sort of throw out a few names of divas and sort of get your one-word reaction, sort of get your impression mm. of various singers. So when I say that the name Adele, what comes to mind? Mm-hmm. Young singer, good singer. Alicia Keys. Um, young performer, good writer, producer. Taylor Swift. Okay, great, uh, great gowns, beautiful gowns. <laughs> it's incredible. So you never heard that before? Uh, no, I'd not heard that, but that's fantastic. Okay. Okay. <laughs> beautiful gowns. I didn't mention the music at all. It's like the reaction you would have if you were a Carolina fan. And you're on TV, and someone asks you to say something nice about Coach K. Okay. Okay, uh, nice suits, beautiful suits. Okay. Okay. That's, that's the money part. Okay. Try to. Okay, great, uh, great gowns, beautiful gowns. No way. <laughs> In 2024, to Permar's point, could you answer the question that way? No. Like, don't she might the Swifties would be coming after you in a major way. I bet you many of the Swifties don't even know about this clip oh. and retroactively are going to come after okay. the late great Aretha Franklin. And to that, because it's like a cult like following and to that, I say, okay, show, <laughs> show some respect. R E S P E C T. Show some respect to one Aretha Franklin. Oh, boy. Uh, (laughs) I thought you would take issue with her compliment of Adele. I do, but that's not what we were focused on here. Nice singer, young singer, Taylor Swift. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's what I think about her Adele comment. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right there. It pierces my brain is what it does. Let's close out today's show. By taking it to the house. Past the 15, past the 10, past the 5 for the drive. We'll take it to the house. One, two, three. This goes without saying. Make sure you're subscribed to our podcast. If you missed Hayes Permar or any of the other fun things we had in store today, just search The Drive with Josh Graham, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. If you already listen via the podcast, two thumbs up. We appreciate that. Rate, review, subscribe, and then the YouTube channel as well. We'll have additional content out. Later on tonight, smash that subscribe button to drive with Josh Graham. What do you have to close things out? It turns out the perfect typo does exist.
So in Ontario, there is a pizza hut that has since gone viral for not pizza reasons, not pizza specials, but because of this sign that they put in their door. And here's what it says. Due to unforeseen circumcisions, oh. the dining room will be closed this evening. Sorry for the inconvenience. Open for takeout and delivery only. Obviously, this has blown up on Facebook. Uh, many people have tweeted about this. In fact, the local hospital got in on this and essentially reshared it and basically said, Hey, Pizza Hut, leave the circumcisions to us. You guys handle the pizza. Ugh. Yeah. So actually, so then they uh, they posted a new sign, basically saying, in light of the recent circumstances, in bold letters, and they kind of fixed it. And then they also joked, saying, "No tip required." <laughs> Come on now. That's what we're doing. Okay. Where's Gary Hahn? <laughs> Let's go to the sidelines. Tony Haynes. Uh, outstanding. Yeah. Good for you, Pizza Hut. Good job. When's the last time you ordered pizza? Like delivery? Christmas Eve. Really? I have a trip. Well, not delivered. I go pick it up, but I have a tradition. That's my thing. I, I, I'm not the guy who wants to pay extra. Yeah. And I hate... I hate the exchange with delivery people where they they're ready they're expecting the tip. Right. And you never feel like it's enough because <laughs> you just drove out of your way to get here. Yeah. And also transporting it. I There are so many to-go options now. There are That's probably one of the biggest changes in culture after 2020. Just like if you watch a basketball game today and you see coaches not wearing suits. That's one of the biggest like changes in what sports looked like pre-2020 and looked like and how they look today. Uh, takeout options at restaurants, almost every single place has them now. So I take advantage of that. I don't think I ever get delivery anything. I know there are some out there who get Uber Eats and all that. Can't do it. Plus, I'm just the type where like I like to do things myself. I like to do it myself. I don't want to... That's just kind of how I roll. Big night tonight. You got North Carolina, Georgia Tech, NC State, Miami. You got Predator to watch. I've got to go make a Costco run. Uh Uh-oh. I'm not wearing this Costco merch for nothing. Wearing my jersey to (laughs) Costco. I love that. Oh, no. I forgot my chips. Okay. (laughs) Amateur. What am I going to do? Forgot my potato chips. I'll figure it out, and then we'll be with you on a Wednesday drive with B Dot joining the show. We hope you're with us on a Wednesday drive.